Okay. <clears throat> in review, in uh, verses 1 through 4, Mark explains, or Mark 7, verses 1 through 4, Mark explains the traditions. Uh, in verses 5 through 13, the exchange of conversation. So we've been looking at Jesus and the religious leaders' exchange. The Pharisees have come down from Jerusalem. They're carrying more weight coming from Jerusalem to accuse Jesus' disciples of not following the tradition of the elders. Namely, not washing their hands before eating was a symbolic cleansing. Thus requiring it from the Jewish people. It was not part of the law for common people, but only for the priests in the Old Testament. And we talked about these fences that they had put up. Um, so the disciples apparently didn't follow the tradition, nor did Jesus ask them to. Jesus calls the Pharisees hypocrites and says, you don't follow the law of God. He gave them an example of Corban, which made an amendment by man to the law of God, to their advantage. Thus showing them and the crowd the folly of their system and the heart's condition. Um, even the most religious has a corrupt heart and Jesus exposes it. All are sinners, none exempt. It's easy, easy to see others' sins, but not so much ourselves. With Scripture and the Spirit's help, we get a glimpse of ourselves. You know, and that, you're right, that's, that is so easy to look at somebody else's <coughs> sins or shortcomings or whatever. And not uh, not so <coughs> Second, then Jesus called the crowd. So that so the first the first section there he he was dealing with these religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes. They were having this uh, conversation back and forth. Then Jesus called the crowd, the second group, and he addresses them in fourteen through sixteen. And he said, he said to them in verse 14, Hear me, everyone, and understand. Notice Jesus says me. He is speaking the truth. And we know some of them will want to know the truth, and others can't. And they will have no interest. Uh, as I was thinking about this, Jesus says, all of you listen. All will hear the sound of words, but not all will understand and see Jesus for who he is God. All can see uh, the marvelous creation or even wonder about how life functions, but never see God in it. He will explain it in the next few verses. Uh, the physical that goes into the body goes to the stomach, not the heart, which is the picture of the spiritual side of us. So physical things won't condemn us spiritually like the eating of pork or unclean animals. And so also the physical cleansing 
that they performed could not make them clean spiritually. Right. It couldn't clean their heart. And uh, that's a lot. That's a lot to think think upon and to meditate upon. Jesus explains that nothing goes into the body that defiles you. I believe that's because we are already defiled. It's our heart's condition that defiles us. It's our sinful nature. And there is nothing we can do to change or get a new heart. It is a gift from God. God performs that surgery on us. And we had good conversations about how much Jesus limited Himself to and the work of the Holy Spirit in His life. And that in the light of verse 14. It says, Hear me, everyone, and understand. Thank you, David. We had a good conversation about that. You remember. Jesus knew the Father was coming soon. So as we come down to verse the end of verse 15 before we get to 17 there's there's a progression of events so let's pick up in Mark 15 and it, it says there Mark chapter 15 or verse no, 15? Verse 7, chapter 7 verse 15 it says there is nothing that enters from the outside which can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. <clears throat> and in that verse 16, may not even be in right. your part uh, of the Bible. Right. But, <laughs> if you go back it, to Matthew's account, <clears throat> in Matthew 15, <clears throat> verses 12, Jesus leaves the crowd and enters a house. And His disciples, that's, that starts in uh, verse 17. So, and, and His disciples have this little, little conversation with Jesus. And uh, Matthew puts it in there. It's Matthew 15, verse 12. And, it's, and it, uh, it gives us a little more understanding of the weight of these Pharisees. Uh, how much they were respected even among Jesus' disciples. And this verse says, Then His disciples came and said to Him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Now there's, there's two possible things that, that they could be talking about there. Hey, sweetie. There's two possible things they could be talking about there. If you go back up <clears throat> into Mark where he calls them um, hypocrites, he could be talking about that. That's all the way back up in verse 6. He said, and he answered them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written? Hmm. Or <clears throat> it could be that what he just said about them, about what enters a man, won't defile him. And uh, and I'm not I'm not sure which one he's talking about. It says in verse uh, seven, verse fifteen, it says, "And Jesus 
says it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the heart. That could be that could be too what they were talking about. Um, and the thing is, a, a commentary I read said back in uh, 160 BC there was a king, uh, Antus. Phineas, E-P-I-P-H-A-N-E-S, the fourth. He was the king of Syria, conquered Israel. And he ordered that all of them eat pork. If they didn't, they would be killed. And hundreds died. They would rather die than to eat pork. Also, he offered a pig as a sacrifice. And during the Maccabean period, between the between the Old Testament and the New Testament, thousands died for not eating pork. And Jesus says, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles the mouth. So I'm not sure if they're looking back, because that, that, would, have meant, that would have meant a lot to them, not eating that pork. And here Jesus is, is coming around and saying, because they're still looking at the physical things. They... they their spiritual eyes are blinded, right? They have this veil, so to speak, over them. We're going to talk about that uh, a little later on. But they're blinded spiritually, so they're seeing everything physically, and Jesus is talking to them about spiritual things. It's like a it's like a parable that he's giving them, and they they just can't understand it. Even his disciples don't get it. <clears throat> Um, and so Jesus' response back in Matthew, and I can even imagine Jesus' response, he would say something to these disciples, well, let me tell you about these Pharisees. Matthew 15, verse 13, it says, But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. That was Jesus' response when the disciples said that they didn't like, the the Pharisees didn't like what He said. That was was Jesus' response. In other words, be careful who you listen to. Right? That is very applicable to us today. Be careful who you listen to. Don't be led into a ditch or a pit. We all know people who listen to wrong counsel. Right? Whether it's biblical counsel or whether it's worldly counsel. You know, especially Bible. You gotta you gotta be careful who you listen to on the internet, on the radio, these different things. <clears throat> We've even had people that's come to our church that uh, had got a lot of bad counsel. <clears throat> so so, so that, that was something. So it seems, and I've said that Jesus is turning their system, their way of thinking, and the way they would worship in a new direction. 
because there were things identified in the Old Testament like clean and unclean animals, rules about sacrifices and feasts, killing a lamb for sin's payment, laying hands on the scapegoat to take away sin. All of these were symbols. They reminded people that they were sinners and needed cleansing and that God was holy. They were shadows of things to come. Jesus' sacrifice to finally end all those reminders. So in reality, Jesus isn't changing God's plan, as it may seem, but pointing out that this has always been God's plan. His Son has always been God's plan. And all these things were just things that pointed toward that plan. And to, and to the Jews' defense, there was a veil between them and God. This veil was sin. It goes all the way back. And if you have some input on this, I think it goes all the way to, back to Moses on the mountain. And Moses had been in the presence of perfection for God. When, uh, when God told him to turn around and he would pass behind me because he said, no man sees me and lives. And so he did. And that, and the glow from that, from that perfect, that holy God was up on his face. And the veil separated sin, sinful pe- people from God. So that was a symbol. That's that sin that, that was there, that veil. And the symbol of the veil was carried all the way to the New Testament when Jesus would not cover the sin of man, but would remove it once and forever. Only when you come to Christ will you understand who Jesus really is and what He did. He removed the sting of death then your veil will be removed. Every believer has this veil, or unbeliever. Every unbeliever has this veil. Even even today, this veil. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4. I want to read uh, a couple of of verses here. It talks about that. Paul talks about that. 2 Corinthians 4, Verses 3 and 4, it says, If the good news we preached is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ who is the exact likeness of God. So they so they had unbelievers has this veil. But unbelievers in 2 Corinthians 3 verses 16 to 18 it says um, but whoever but whenever someone turns to the Lord the veil is taken away for the Lord is the, is the spirit and whoever the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him 
as we are changed into His glorious image. So that, that talks about the un, unveiled beholding of our Lord's glory. Mm-hmm. So the believer has that veil removed. Unbelievers have that still have that veil. <clears throat> and Psalms uh, 34, 15, the last verse on that, says, The eyes of the Lord watch out for those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. But the Lord turns His face against those who do evil. So So I think that is pertaining to that one. Matthew's account when he says uh, when he says they didn't like that I think it was it could be the one the the hypocrites when they when Jesus called them hypocrites they definitely didn't like that and they wouldn't have liked it when they said it was okay to eat meat something that they had not done not ever done really a true a true Jew um, and we'll talk a little more about that uh, when we get just a little further down with Peter. So let's let's pick up in verse uh, 17 and I'm going to read all the way down to uh, I guess to the down to 23. I don't think we'll get that. It says, When he had entered the house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. So he said to them, Are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from the outside cannot defile him because it does not enter his heart but his stomach and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods? And he said, What comes out of a man that defiles him? From, for from within, out of the heart of man, murders, thieves, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness and evil eye blaspheming pride foolishness all these evil things come from within and defile a man so let's back up to verse 17 it says uh, and he entered the house away from the crowd and his disciples asked him concerning the parable Matthew makes Peter the spokesman here if you go back and read read Matthew's account of this, it makes Peter the spokesman. Jesus again gets along with his disciples, and I assume it's a fairly small group. It's in a house. Uh, this is the third group that uh, that Jesus addresses. The first group was uh, the the Pharisees and the scribes. They have his conversation. Then Jesus turns to the crowd and says, All of you hear and listen to me. So he addresses the crowd. Just a couple or three verses there. And now he's turning and he's going to address his disciples. His disciples come and ask him a question concerning this parable. So they're in a small house. They want to know more about Jesus' teaching concerning what makes one acceptable before God. And we know it's changed from the inside. Jesus is going to use a simple analogy to explain. And Jesus is so patient. Uh, I know the Spirit goes before the Father on my behalf 
continually. He is so patient. He is so patient with me as well. And he shows his patience there. In, uh, in verse 18, So he said to them, Are you thus without understanding also? It's as if Jesus can't understand why. I for one am glad to see this verse. I too struggle to see, understand, and maybe my faith is weak at times. Or my flesh clouds my vision. Or I just don't want to accept God's Word or God's plan. You know, a lot of times we read the Scripture and... uh, and we're trying to make all kinds of excuses. We're trying to justify our actions. And it's because it's because God's Word said something to us that we don't like. You know, and I know that happens in my life uh, a lot. A lot. The religious system put a lot of weight on outward defilement and ritual cleansing. But Jesus explains that nothing from the outside can defile or make us unclean before God. Because our beings, our thoughts, our actions, and our speech are conceived in our hearts. And we know that our hearts are desperately wicked. So when we talk about our hearts, that's that's what it's talking about. It's talking about our inner being, our thoughts, our actions, and our speech, all of that is, is confined in our hearts. And then 18b it says, Do not do, do you not perceive or do you not understand that whatever enters a man from the outside cannot follow? You know, this is a very simple analogy, isn't it? Yes. Uh, physically, because we know that everything that goes into the body doesn't touch the heart, right? It goes goes into the stomach, and it nourishes it nourishes the body, <clears throat> but it has it has nothing to do with the heart spiritually. What we take in, <clears throat> it doesn't have anything to do with that. The Jewish way of life, particularly the rulers of Israel, maintained a distinction between themselves and the nations around them. This was a constant reminder to them that they were God's people. Remember, they had put up these fences or these traditions to try and to please God, but not dealing with the heart. Good ideas for the outside. Um, You know, good ideas for the outside, but not dealing with the heart. We try to look good on the outside. (coughs) Do and and you know, and we should. There's certain things we should do. We should go to church, right? We should tithe. Those are things that the Lord tells us that we should do. But we should do them because we want to please God. Not not because it's earning us extra credit to get into heaven or something like we'll that. Impress other people. Impress other people, that's right. That's right. We were just talking about that this morning, wasn't we? About doing things, yeah. Impress other people. But it's it's the heart condition. It's the heart's condition that makes it, makes a difference. We can put up fronts around our uh, around ourselves to look Christian and maybe even believe it, but the heart doesn't lie. 
What is our action around our most loved one? It's not the front we put up around others or at church. So, so how do you act around the people that you most care about? You know, that's that that could be a, a, an indication of your heart. <clears throat> Verses 18b uh, and 19. Whatever enters a man from the outside cannot defile him, because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach, and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. Could this be a case for eternal security? For when the heart is sealed with the Holy Spirit, nothing can enter it to destroy it. Now think about your physical heart. Okay? The physical heart is probably the most protected organ in the body. There's a fence or a rib cage that's around it. Right? There's a bacardia which is a thin outer lining that protects and surrounds your heart. It's also known as the fluid-filled sac. And it even covers the roots of your major blood vessels. <clears throat> this is why when, when they pierced Jesus' side, fluid ran out. His heart sac had been ruptured. His heart had been ruptured. Without the function of the heart of the brain, you die. That, that, that to me shows how much the of the heart, how much the heart means to God. It's just, it, again, I think it's a symbolic or a symbol of uh, of ourselves. You know, God God puts a lot of weight. He puts all the weight on the heart and your heart's condition. So it's not the things of this world that defile us. They are only temporal. It's what's in the heart or what comes out of the heart. With Jesus, you have a new heart. You know, um, he, doesn't just, he doesn't just do surgery on the heart. He gives you a new heart. There's a scripture that says that you have a new heart. Now he works on that heart to bring you to the point to where you get a new heart, I think. Any any ideas on that? So we've 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 talked a little bit about that. I think Pete even mentioned something about the heart this morning in one of his comments. But he actually gives us a new heart when he changes our lives. He gives us a new heart. Um, and then at the end of that verse, he says, "Thus purifying all foods." I'm sure this was a small comment and I'm sure Mark picked up on it following and listening to Peter talk to people. Peter probably in his later life couldn't believe he didn't catch it when Jesus said thus purifying all foods. You know because Peter even Peter was reluctant to eat pork. He had to have this vision come before him you know and and i'm sure as peter got got later on in life and the and the spirit brought back things that jesus has said i bet peter said man how could i have been so stupid as to not hear that and understand that you know 
So it's not what goes into man that defiles him. We are already defiled from Adam. Yes. Okay? In verse 20, and, and he said, what comes out of man, that defiles a man. Our evil, wicked hearts. Our hearts reveal who we are and when we are off guard. And yes, we all have bad moments when we do or we say things. So what does this mean? It is the consistency that you do it. Is it a normal event in your life? Does it happen often? Is this the way of your life? And can you see a change taking place? Mm -hmm. You know, we all have we all have bad moments when bad driving drivers. You know, <laughs> people that irritate you and different things like that. Uh, but are are you changing? Is God is God changing you? The way you think, the way you react, all these different things. There should be a a slow progression forward. It may be slow, you know. The Christian life is a forward progression, but sometimes it's it's slow. I think the desires, the new desires, come right away, though. Yeah, you recognize you recognize sin. You recognize it in your life. Yeah. So right. you so you do want to do it, but there, you know, that old man. And desires to desires to love God, to to begin to see His Word and to love other people, want them to see it. As well, those are those are all symptoms of that that new heart mm -hmm. that God puts in there. But it doesn't come out perfectly, and, and especially at the beginning, it's hard to make sense of it. Mm -hmm. He'll take the stony heart out and give it a heart of flesh. That's, right. That's right. Hard hearts. That's right. So Romans six fourteen, for sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but right. under grace. 1 John 3, verses 9 and 10. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. And notice that, that practice. Mm -hmm. Practice of sinning. We all sin, right? It's also, I think he also says, if you say that you have not sinned, you make God a liar. Right? So that it's a practice of sinning. For God's seed or His life abides in Him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So now we come to verse 21, 22, and 23. For from within, and he and he, he lists numerous sins here. He said, For from within, that is, out of a person's heart come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. 
not a very good picture of that. Right? They are what defile you. You know, and they are first created inside of you. They're first created inside of you. If not dealt with, they will become fully blown up and acted upon on the outside. James 1.14 says that each person is tempted when he is lured or dragged and enticed by his own desires. Verse 15, then, then desires when it is conceived gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. See, you know, a good example that I, I've always remember, and I'm and I'm I'm going to be predominantly speaking to you men here. You know, uh, when you when you look at another woman, I heard I heard I think it was Billy Graham that said this. The first look is free. You can't help it if a nice girl goes by, but if you take that second look and you meditate, that's when that that that's what this verse is saying. When you meditate, when that sin is full blown there, that's when it's sin, right? So the thing is, look the other way. Make it a point. Make make it a point to, and and that's back to any sin. When you're tempted. Look for a way out because God will give you a way out. Right? Mm-hmm. He will give you a way out. Um, so a summary of this whole event. It's not necessarily what we can see on the outside of a person. What we say or what we do or what we look like. That makes them just before God. But it's what's on the inside. We are all sinners made pure or holy by Jesus' sacrifice for our sin. He trades His undefiled, sinless, perfect life for our defiled, sinful, rotten, dead bodies. He associates with us mm-hmm. sinners. You know? And <coughs> we, need, we need to associate with sinners as well. We don't need to be like these these uh, Pharisees and these scribes who separated themselves. They made, they made it a point to separate, to avoid sinners as much as they could. We don't, we don't need to do that. We don't, we don't partake in their sins, but we, we, we associate with them as far as realizing where, well, I guess where we all are, and sharing with them that there is a hope of salvation, a hope and escape from sin uh, and its effects of sin. What a loving Lord and Savior we have. Jesus spent a lot of time over two years in Galilee ministering, even part of His third year. Then He takes a turn and goes to the Gentile people and areas more populated with Gentiles. Tyra, Sidon, the Decapolis. This could be where Jesus starts to focus His true mission to Jerusalem where He will die. 
and that's that's kind of the turning point that we're getting at here in Mark um, is is to where and it's almost halfway through and we're almost in chapter eight and what are they sixteen chapters I think in Mark so it's almost the half halfway point that Jesus spends the majority of his time with uh, with the Jews. And, and now we're going to see where he is turning and going to uh, to Gentiles. Not that he won't go back to Jews, but we'll see a lot of Gentiles. Before now, we only read of about one 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 case where he went across the lake to this uh, demonic man that was in the tombs in that Gentile region. But now he's going to be traveling to more Gentile regions. So that's where we'll be we'll be picking up and going to as we move forward. Any questions or comments? This is a good text for, for what we're talking about this morning that you mentioned of the invisible being known by its effects, being seen by its effects. Um, <coughs> so the the invisible sin nature, the heart of, of people's not seen. Right? We don't. Yeah. We don't even see it ourselves uh, readily, <laughs> um, but it's known by its effects, right? And that's what those verses are, verses 21 and 22. Um, oh yeah, it's listed as it's, it's the symptoms, you know, or the fruit of the, of the flesh, of the heart, <clears throat> yeah. yeah, of a sinful heart. And it's, you know, it's a, a simple understanding of the gospel would say, okay, well, Jesus died to pay for all those, those sins there in 22 and 20, 21 and 22. And he did, but it, the, the heart of our problem goes beyond that, and God's salvation goes deeper than that. It has to. He has to change that, that That's root right. cause, that invisible heart that he sees. That has to be changed if there's not going to be sin in heaven. Which which by the way does answer that question as well. Some people are well, they're gonna you know, what if I get in heaven and I sin, you know, he won't. Because God's taking care of the root cause of it. It's such a critical it's such a simple thing when you slow down and understand what the gospels are saying about that, but then People get all mixed up because we go back to that school board thinking that, that somehow it looks like the Pharisees, somehow I can control those outward behaviors, or, or if I do some bad stuff, I can make, I can do some good things mm-hmm. to make up for it. You know, that whole thinking is so ingrained, ingrained <coughs> in, in the ethos of how we function and everything we do. Yeah, it's it's ingrained in us just like. Uh, their feast and their not eating pork and all this stuff was to them for years. That's right. Ever since we've been alive, that is that that is our our system. You you get what you earn, basically. And salvation is not like that because we if we got what we earned, we'd get death. That's right. See? So we can't we can't that's earn right. this we can't earn this salvation. That's 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 very good. That's very good. Larry, thank you. You know very much. and. and and I and I think too, this is kind of off subject, but it's something that you mentioned as far as uh, no sin in heaven. I think that's one reason why God has to destroy that. What talks about it over in the Book of Revelation, 
because there was sin in heaven when Lucifer sinned. So he can't he can't have any anything to do with sin. And so I think I think that's why the heavens are going to have to be destroyed. Hmm. Talks about the well. He does say that Lucifer was kicked out of heaven. Yeah, yeah. And but there was sin there at one time. And in God's God can't stand sin around him. That's why he can't. That's why he can't 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 take us. He can't do that without that perfect sacrifice, right? That's that's just a thought, food for thought. But there are three heavens too, so keep that in mind. Yeah. Well, he's he's uh, clear about. Yeah. He's mighty good to us. I know yeah. that. Yeah. A lot better than yeah. But I I even believe that the abode of God. Yeah. Because I think I think uh, Satan did speak to God. Yeah. What Job said. Oh, he does. Yeah. So, uh, so I I think even the abode of God will be destroyed. All heavens, new heavens and new earth. That's just my opinion. Yeah, you want to contact one tomorrow? Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I would. See where that. See where that. What room right. is Joe in, Kirkadol? I don't know. Oh, we'll have to ask Debbie. Let's go ahead and uh, close in prayer. Um, Bob, you want to close us in prayer? Sure. You've been a praying man today. <laughs> praying mantis. Praying mantis. <laughs> Father, we just come to you and thanking you again for this day and for the words that you've presented to us to have us to ponder and hopefully it will take part in our heart and allow us to proceed with uh, the never-ending change that we need to have to be more like you. Lord, we thank you for everything that you have given us. Again, all your graciousness, grace, sovereignty, and kindness to us, Lord. Lord, we most of all thank you for sending your Son who has died for us. And, and none of these things, none of these good things that you provide do we deserve. But you're gracious enough to provide them for us. Yes, until we can meet again, Lord, we ask all these things in your blessed name. Amen.